tell you who's doing sneakers the best in the game right now. That's New Balance. The two-way V4, featuring this groundbreaking use of technology with fresh foam. It's called Fuel Cell, creating this combination that we love of rebound and cushioning. Fresh Foam offers unparalleled cushioning for maximum comfort your entire game from start to finish. The upper construction features this lightweight textile that reduces weight, which we all need, I know I do, while remaining supportive and breathable. Hard to find that combo. The two-way V4 gives you the tools that you need to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way V4 at newbalance.com. On this episode of This League... The NBA has a flopping problem uh, on both sides of the ball. Marcus Smart fans are big fucking mad at me in my DMs, in my comments, pretty much everywhere that they can find me. They've crossed platforms from TikTok to Twitter to Instagram to my DMs. I'm surprised they don't have my phone number already. Uh, Why the Sixers will never win it all with Ben Simmons. And KD gets petty with the NBA after all that COVID drama. I feel like this has been bubbling for a while now. (laughs) (laughs) Coaches don't like it. Players don't like it. No fans like it. None. Mm -mm. But everyone seems to still be doing it. Everyone. The defense says that they're doing it because without that, the offense has an unfair advantage. And then the Offense says that they do it because they're not getting calls without exaggerating it uh, unless they flop. So it's that famous, who's really responsible? Chicken or the egg? Is it the refs? (laughs) Is it the league? Is it the offense? Is it the defense? I don't know. And nothing really personifies how bad it's gotten than our very favorite Jimmy Buckets, one of the hard rocks of the league, pretending that he was mauled in the eye. <laughs> it, like, became a famous meme on the internet where he pokes his eye and, like, looks up at, to try to draw a flagrant foul mm-hmm. to get an advantage down the stretch, right? That's not a guy that you would expect to lay down. And, I mean, this is a guy that was homeless. This is a guy who's a hard rock, and it, he's <laughs> laying down to try to get an Oscar when he wasn't even hit in the eye. Yeah, it goes against plenty of things you would think he stands for, yeah. Correct. So, obviously, this is now a trend. This is now the thing that you must do in order to have any level of parity uh, as a competitor. And it all started getting national attention back in the beginning of the season in December. I don't know if you remember, but the Hawks were playing the Nets. Mm-hmm. And Trey Young goes around a screen, and he stops short. Yep. And then, boom, foul. The defender, obviously, when someone's just like uh, in traffic, when someone slams on the brakes and you're expecting to go through a green light, that was Trey Young. Mm-hmm. He slammed on his brakes around a screen, and the defender, pow. Was forced to, yeah, run into him. Yeah, yeah he didn't know, what, obviously, what was coming. And you can't just, like, be starting and stopping as a defender against a guy like Trey Young because all of a sudden he's at the bucket, right? So you're in mm-hmm. a no-win spot. And Steve Nash looks at the ref and says, that's not basketball. That's just not basketball. And the problem is, right now, that is basketball. That's that's the big problem. 
Yeah, no, it really stinks, honestly, because uh, it, there's such judgment calls, and because it's such a judgment call, that's why I think these guys whine so much, because they're doing everything they can to like get that call, give those refs like a reason to make that call. So you're seeing the game slow down in so many different ways. Yeah, it's actually atrocious to watch. Another instance happened with Luka against the Warriors. I don't know if you saw that, but Luka got this phantom lean-in call. Literally, he throws his body against the defender mm-hmm. and then goes up. And Wiggins got, gets the foul. This is in late in the game. And Steve Kerr, after the game, was pissed. <laughs> really pissed. <laughs> Uh, even though he doesn't care about winning games, he right. still yeah, is pissed not. about it. Of course not. He yeah. says, I don't fault the officials. I really fault the league. They basically are gifting those calls to all of the players. Our guys get them too. But to me, this is not a basketball play. If you jump three feet forward, I don't think you deserve a foul when all you're doing is looking for said foul. We've now gotten out of control, just gifting offensive players the ability to deceive refs. We have to give the defensive player some benefit of the doubt, but the officials have to call it because that's the way that the league is dictating that they call it. Yeah, no, it's bullshit. (laughs) It's bullshit. (laughs) And then later, later, I think this was a couple of days ago, LeBron, uh, the Lakers are playing the Grizzlies. And LeBron pretends that Dylan Brooks, he's under the rim, and they're going up to get a rebound. And LeBron pretends that Dylan Brooks took his arm and hooked him backwards. So LeBron then flies. He literally, like, explodes into the ground and flies backwards, like, three feet. Yeah, it was a tough one. To try to get that loose ball call. Uh, And he got it. He went to the free throw line. Uh, and this is, I mean, obviously Twitter went crazy. Yeah. What is this? The Memphis Grizzlies broadcasters went insane. This is out of control, blah, blah, blah. But no, like this is just LeBron doing what everyone else is doing, and the spotlight is brighter on LeBron James, right? Mm. This is just the way that the NBA is right now, which is actually very funny that LeBron did it against Dylan Brooks because Dylan Brooks, I don't know if you remember, but is famous for maybe the most egregious flop in basketball history when he was playing at Oregon he flopped against Utah he did okay. a he did a double bunny hop flop like one <laughs> bounce into another bounce into the ground no i don't recall this one oh That's, you got to yeah you got to look that up as it soon as is, we're done yeah it is tremendous and i get it like i get that after Kawhi Leonard because the rules have changed a lot over time like they the slowly surely changed and gotten more we'll call it friendly to the offense you saw what happened when Kawhi Leonard got his landing space encroached by Zaza Pachulia in the playoffs and then it ended ended multiple years of his career in his prime that sent him down into a, a death spiral of that quad injury the foot injury and now coaches around the league say yes that obviously is necessary these rule changes so that people don't get injured, our stars, our, our money isn't messed up with. But this is out of hand. Knicks coach Tom Thibodeau also said the same thing and basically said that the trend all started with James Harden. <laughs> <laughs> he, said, he said James Harden did that. He gained the system, and now the league is protecting its shooters 
And it's interesting having coached internationally in FIBA because they won't give players those calls. Wow. Yep. Yes, folks. Everything is James Harden's fault. <laughs> everything. He is the sacrificial lamb of everything that's wrong with the NBA. The a million dribbles, like the shooting three seconds into the shot clock from 40, the traveling seven steps, like getting to the line a million times. But actually, this is James Harden's fault. This is 100% James Harden's fault. He is ground zero for these egregious flops. He learned to game the system like any good offensive player would. And then every shooter was like, yo, if James Harden can do that, like I can do that. Yeah, just move my feet a little bit. Just, yeah. I just body the defender, just rip through into a, into a shot, a quote-unquote phantom shot that you were never intending to take so that you can go to the line. And like a cancer, then it spread to the defense. They were like, this is insane. <laughs> so if this is happening on this side of the ball, then we have to figure out something on the defensive side of the ball. So let's look at Marcus Smart. Uh-oh, that's your boy. <laughs> that's my guy. One of the best defenders in the league. So yeah, he's an elite defender. He doesn't need to flop. But he is not, we'll call it adverse to flopping. He's considered maybe the greatest flopper in the NBA. So he gets a $5,000 fine for flopping, and he just decides, like, I am going to own up to it. And he laughs about it. He's like, yeah, I deserved everything that came my way after that. I flop on defense, yes, but by the way, heads up, your favorite players, they flop on offense. So I'm just doing what I have to do, and especially in a game where the offense has nothing but the advantage, the defense has to do something to get the advantage back. Wow, that is the most truth-telling an NBA player has been about these flops. Yeah, I buy that completely, yeah. It's a flopping arms race. It's like I'm flopping and then you're flopping because I'm flopping. The more the offense flops, the more the defense feels that they have to flop. And that, that's how you get Jimmy Buckets pretending that he lost an eye. So this is, this is my stance this shit is ridiculous, and it needs to stop right this second. Mm-hmm. No, no more. I think it's time we, that we reevaluate what a foul is. Go back to the old school. No more lean-in fouls. No more jumping three feet in the air forward to make your landing space like as much <laughs> as a helicopter can come in. <laughs> I don't like that. No more stopping short, Trey Young. No more rip-through fouls where the defender's in your space and you rip down and that's a foul just because they're playing good defense. Mm -hmm. We say we want to see players D up, get all up in your grill, be a lockdown defender, and then what does an offensive player do? They just rip the ball through and they go to the free throw line. Right. That's that's insane. No wonder Lucas said, yeah, it's a lot easier (laughs) (laughs) to score in the NBA than it is in Europe because these ticky-tack fouls get me points. They get me buckets. I don't really need to even do much. Just throw my body into someone and cry and points for us. He does plenty of that. He does plenty of that. Just watch. (laughs) Watch any game for all the folks that say that I don't watch any games. This happens 15 times a night at least. It's gross. So the whole point, no more intentionally drawing contact. Stop doing that. Just go 
and get yourself a bucket. And if someone fouls you in the process, so be it. If you're caught doing it, shoving your body, I hate, that's the one that I hate the most, shoving your body forward, creating contact, and then shooting, offensive foul for you every single time. Rip through, someone's playing good defense, rip through, foul. Stop short, offensive foul. You can't do that. So the Harden effect is what I call this. And I think it's changed the game tremendously to the point where it's almost hard to watch now. The three-pointer is king. Why? Because defenders can't close out. They legitimately <laughs> can't even get near you yeah. in order to defend because if you jump and you're there, if they jump and you're there, that's a foul. So now you have to like kind of stay three feet away from them, but your arms have to be so long that you can still put a hand in their face in order for you to play good defense. That's why wings are so important in this NBA, like Jason Tatum, because his reach and his wingspan is so long yep. because no one can actually no six foot one guard can actually play real defense anymore or they're going to foul out of the game it's yeah. fucked mm-hmm. of course I want my stars protected of course I don't want to see people get injured but I think it's time for the NBA to say I think this is getting a little out of hand and maybe we need to make some changes as an aside, if OKC would have paid Harden to begin with, maybe he would never would have been this marquee star. And maybe he would have <laughs> continued to be a six-man. And maybe this would have never happened to begin with. But I digress. Change it, the NBA. Change it. This league. What's that? How many people are so emotionally invested in Marcus Smart? Yeah, people were uh, not too pleased with you. <laughs> oh, my God. I had no idea. How emotionally connected that they that fans are to him. It was like I made some comments about Marcus Smart. I didn't even think it was a crazy take about how the Celtics should move on from him. Mm-hmm. Like it's time, uh, two-time defensive player, but I think maybe he's not helping your team get to where you need them to be. People acted like I shit on their mom. <laughs> like people were coming furiously at me. Like, I, I was saying their wife was ugly. The mob, the mob came, came for me. I mean, I'm talking about, like, you don't deserve to live anymore. One person told me to put a bullet in my head Yeesh. because of this basketball take. This is how bad it is. <laughs> how dare you come at the heart and the soul of the culture of the Boston Celtics? You know nothing. You know nothing about basketball if you think that Marcus Smart should be moved. That's how you know it's time to move on from Marcus Smart. <laughs> that, that right there is how you know. You're too close. You are too close to him. You can't see the forest through the trees. You, you're just in love, I think. Dare I say, Boston Celtics fans, you're blind. Your, your love has made you blind. And I get it. I get that. Because me, as a Blazer fan, I'm in love too. I've been there. I have been forced to make, really take, take a hard look at myself. Because I'm in love with the player who is, is never going to win us a championship. And I stand for him and I protect him. People shit talk how we can't win 
with Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. And I block those people who tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> CJ and Dame are a duo that they cannot be split up. They are best friends. Small market players came up from the dirt. Shooters, they can get a bucket at any time. One of the most potent backcourts in the league. But where has that gotten us, really? We went to the Western Conference Finals once after we barely beat the Denver Nuggets in seven. That was a fun run. It was a fun run. And then we got destroyed by the Warriors. Destroyed. It wasn't even competitive. Yeah, I remember. And the truth is, we're never going to win this way. Never. Never. I I hate saying that C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard are not... They're not a recipe for a championship. Just like... Marcus Smart is not a recipe for the Boston Celtics to win a championship. Probably Kemba Walker, too. Uh, And definitely Daniel Tice and Tristan Thompson. Not a solution, not a recipe for (laughs) for winning. And so I feel sad. I feel sad for you guys, Celtics fans, who are so enraged because you can't see how he's holding you back. And you have a piece that's integral to your culture, a piece who is very, very clearly a part of your defensive identity. This Celtics team is just not trying anymore without Marcus Hard Rock Smart on the floor to whip the team into shape. But it does not solve the problem is of who's going to guard Joel Embiid. Is Marcus Smart going to? No. It does not gloss over the fact that Smart will shoot 18 shots in a game and 13 of them will be three-pointers. He took 13 shots from three in games one and seven against the Miami Heat in the playoffs. And it is a good time to remind people, hey, people, Marcus Smart shoots 37% from the floor in his career and 32% from three. Whoa. (laughs) I love him so much. If you're a 32% (laughs) three-point shooter over the course of your career, you should never shoot 13 threes in a game let alone in the playoffs. Never. Brad Stevens, I tell you what, I'm not a part of the Boston Celtics play calling, but I promise you Brad Stevens is not drawing up plays for Marcus (laughs) Smart to shoot 13 threes in a game. That is not his plan. That is definitely Marcus Smart's plan. There are games where it's very clear he's like, green light on for me. And it doesn't matter if he goes two for 13, which sometimes he does. There was that game in the bubble, though, where he had, like, nine. Yeah, and there was also yeah, a It was of, fun, that game. That but. was a fun game. <laughs> yeah. That's the problem. He is feast or famine with a lot of famine. Yeah. And he just should not be doing that. He shouldn't be shooting double-digit threes in an extended practice, let alone <laughs> in five playoff games against Toronto and, and Miami when he shot over nine threes every single game. Let's please stop for a second, evaluate Celtics fans. In what world should Marcus Smart shoot more three-pointers than Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown? None. And he does it a lot. So let's just look at Marcus Smart a little closer for those who think that I don't have a read on him, because I do. He can't hit open threes or catch-and-shoot threes. He's good at setting up Jalen Brown and some of the shooting bigs. Great perimeter defender, but a terrible interior defender. 
He's had a negative impact on the Celtics' net rating, especially against good teams. And he drags the team's pace down, which when you have two run-and-gun guys like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, that is a big-time problem. So he probably needs to be moved. Sorry. Probably would be a better fit on a team like the Clippers or Milwaukee or Denver or Utah. Not your team. The time has come to move on. Can we just say to the Boston Celtics fans who are just dragging me on the internet, who are in love passionately and thoroughly with Marcus Smart, that maybe you really don't want him shooting that many threes on your team and he will not ever stop? This is not something that's changing. He has gone on the record and said, (laughs) no, I don't care. I mean, you have to see that. You have to see that Marcus Smart is going to continue to shoot even if he shoots 10% from three in a game. If you don't see that, if you can't get that through your skull, maybe maybe you're in love, and maybe love is blind for you and Marcus Smart. But you know who's not blind? Danny fucking Ainge is not blind. Nope. He's been trying to make a move on Marcus Smart for like two years. Recently, David Aldridge said, yeah, Marcus Smart is not ungettable. So apparently he is not the heart and soul of the Celtics because (laughs) he can be moved. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not the only one who doesn't have love blinders on. The rest of the league seems to have that same opinion as me. And I get it. I get it. But doing the same thing over and over again is the definition of insanity. When you expect the same, a different result from the exact same move. Like I said, Marcus Smart will never change. He recently said this. (laughs) Marcus Smart doesn't care if you think he shoots too much. (laughs) Can you please tell me what he said uh, to CBS4, the local Boston affiliate, about the world thinking he shoots too much? Yeah, this is a crazy article. Okay, uh, so uh, the quote is... Uh, been doing the same thing I've been doing. I just continue to shoot the ball and shoot with confidence and not give an F what people say. I get crap a lot, but who cares? Just go out and continue to do it. My teammates trust me, and I know what I can do. He literally said, I know that I get shit. I know that I get shit because I shoot too much. I know that I'm not a good shooter, and I shoot way more than I should, but I don't care. I'm going to continue to shoot 12 threes whenever I fucking feel like it. And you know what? There is nothing you motherfuckers can do because I am the heart and soul of this team. I am integral to the defense. I don't like that. I'm sorry. I don't like that. And Celtics fans are going to continue to love him. And you know what? That is why you're going to continue to fucking lose. How about that? How about that truth? Doing the same thing over and over with the same result. Please trade Marcus Smart, even if it breaks your heart. I have different expectations for my Canada goose jacket that I paid $2,400 for Mm -hmm. than I do for a $250 L.L. Bean jacket that I bought on vacation when it just started snowing randomly. Right? If I pay a lot for something, I expect it to work exactly how I thought it would work consistently Every single time. I don't want that coat to only work in 40-degree weather. I want it to work in sub-zero weather as well. What's that have to do with basketball? 
and has everything to do with my man Ben Simmons. What you've paid for him, what you expect from him, and what he ends up doing. Right? Yeah. He gets paid $35 million a year. He is a point guard. Point guard should shoot. He does not shoot. It is time to have a heart-to-heart about Ben Simmons. It's time. It's been brewing. It's been coming. The world absolutely stands for him, probably more than they do Marcus Smart. I think actually that's the person that said I should put a bullet in my head was when, when I said that I would take like 15 other guards over Ben Simmons. Oh. <laughs> people, people are big mad. Yeah. People are fiercely loyal in Philly. People are fiercely loyal in Boston. And I get that. That's fine. So it's been coming. I've been wanting to talk about Ben Simmons for a while. And I have kind of like sort of. So the Sixers are the best team in the East, right? MB's legit MVP candidate. Yeah. Tobias Harris coming along, right? Yeah, playing good in the new system. Playing great in the new system. They've been doing things that we would hope from them. They got Danny Green. They got Seth Curry. They need shooters, and they got that. They are a matchup problem for pretty much everyone in the East. So what's wrong? Why are we talking about this then? (laughs) What's wrong is that they just went west, and they got fucking dog-walked. Dog-walked, and that was not a fluke. That was just more of the same. That was a consequence of glaring issues with the roster construction. And if you look closely, it was there all along, right? Let's look at who they've lost to so far this season. Cavs, Nets, Hawks, Nuggets, mm-hmm. Pistons, Blazers, once without Dame and CJ, once without CJ, Suns, <laughs> Grizzlies. What do all these teams have in common? Uh, some pretty good guard play on those rosters. Right? Yeah. Dynamic backcourts and potent scoring. Sexland, Nets Big Three, Trey Young, Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr., Dame and Gary Trent Jr., or even Mello, Book and CP3. The other teams that beat the Sixers, they play without Joel Embiid, so they don't matter. Yeah, Etwan Moore cooked Philly, too. Etwan Moore <laughs> cooked Philly. I mean, that's a big-time problem. Yeah. I think also uh, your boy, what's-his-face, from Detroit also cooked Philly. Uh, Josh Jackson. Josh Jackson and um, Wayne Ellington oh. also oh. cooked Philly. <laughs> yep. So there are glaring issues, right, that are hiding in plain sight. No one's talking about them, let's be honest, because the East, they're number one in the East, and everyone thinks that that just means you're a world beater. But the truth is that the East has had very hobbled guard play due to COVID, due to injuries. So it makes you look better than you really are. Philly is like a boyfriend with two phones, just super sus. Sus enough enough for me to give the confidence to say, you know, it's going to be really sad when Philly gets bounced early in the playoffs and no one sees it coming and I bask in the sun of being right, just like I love to do. I just take get a nice little tan, get nice tan <laughs> lines from how right I am with how warm that sun is. That is the best case scenario. Eastern Conference Finals is the best case scenario for Philly. They will not, not go to the finals. They will not win it all. And that all that trouble, I would say, revolves around our boy Ben Simmons. Our man. Our man Ben Simmons. Why? Let's just talk about what he does well. Okay. 6'11 point guard. That's insane. Right. 6'11 
point guard, an anomaly in itself, right? He can pass. He can play make. He can get lead the break in transition. He's bullying guards, yeah. posting them up. Gets in the lane pretty easily. Gets in the lane very easily. Great, crafty around the rim. He's a fucking monster. But he's getting $35 million a year because he's a lock, lockdown. Lockdown defender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Might be one of the best in the league. One, yeah. I mean, is one of the best, might be the best. Yeah, considers himself the best defender in the NBA. Yeah. That's, he's supposed to take the pressure off the rest of the defense in a bunch of different ways because they have either glaring issues on the perimeter or Joel Embiid really doesn't want to defend that much because uh, uh, he has obviously, in, he's injury prone. Yeah. See, folks, I do watch Sixers games. You know, I do watch basketball. So what's the problem? Even though Ben Simmons is probably going to win Defensive Player of the Year, definitely going to make first-team all-defense, when you look closely, he's actually not that good at defending guards. He's phenomenal at guarding forwards. Don't get me wrong. But when he's matched up against guards, they shoot a staggering 42% against him from three-point range. They're get, he's, he's getting cooked. He's getting cooked. <laughs> that seems actually impossible since he's six inches taller than most of the guards that he's defending. But that's the, that's the league for you, I guess, now. Unstoppable guard play. So, yeah, that's, that's a fucking problem. Yes, he leads the break. He's good at that, getting out in transition. But the facts are that the pace of play actually goes down when he's on the floor. Yeah, uh, the uh, pace has dropped from 105.07% in December to uh, 100.73% in February. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, he can facilitate, but he actually averages three turnovers a game, which is some of the worst at, for a point guard. The biggest issue, that's not even, these are just little issues. The biggest mm-hmm. issue is our man in a league where three-pointers are king, which we just talked about a couple of segments ago. And Why? Three-pointers are king, and Ben Simmons refuses to shoot them. He actually refuses to shoot at all outside of the restricted area. He has shot nine times outside of 15 feet. Nine? Nine. This entire season? Nine. And just let that sink in for a second. How many of those were heaves? I don't even, yeah. I don't even know. He's only made one. He's only made one of nine attempts outside of 15 feet, and he is your point guard. Yikes. He's actually, because people will say, oh, Trista, he's gotten so much better. He's progressing. He's improving. No, he's actually gotten worse as a shooter as his career has progressed. So that's the facts. Did I also mention that he's the like top three highest paid player in the league next to Curry and Damian Lillard? Makes more than Damian Lillard, Ben Simmons. Damian Lillard shoots nine times in a quarter outside of 15 feet. <laughs> like, what? So, the problem really is that when the playoffs come, things change. Mm-hmm. Transition gets taken away. This becomes a half-court offense. Guard play, elevated. It just automatically happens just based on the teams that are going to be in the playoffs. Coaches will scheme for you. And they will scheme for the fact that we all know Ben Simmons will not shoot. They will scheme and say, Ben, leave him open. Let him shoot. Let him shoot. He will not shoot. Teams are going to pack the paint. 
and double Joel and force every single other person to shoot. Sixers fans, I have a question for you. Do you trust Seth Curry and Tobias Harris to get you to the finals? I don't know. I don't know. Because if Joel Embiid is taken away and Ben Simmons can't do what he does best, then what do you have? Even if your shooters shoot lights out, even if those role players like Danny Green get hot, Tyrese Maxey get hot, the Sixers are still not going to be able to keep up pace with the likes of Brooklyn and Milwaukee who are scoring, I think, like 120 points a game. A lot. There's... That, that's just not going to happen. No. Why? Because Ben then, he def- he defends the the best scorer. We'll call it like Book or in the Eastern Conference, we'll, we'll say he guards Kyrie. Mm-hmm. Now you've got matchup issues on the perimeter elsewhere because you have to have three guards on the floor at a- any given time because you've got a player in Ben Simmons who's not a guard who can't score. So that's a big, big-time issue because now that team can get buckets everywhere else besides the guard play, and the guards still will get off. Devin Booker the other night still put 34 on his head. Damian Lillard still put 30 on his head. So that's not going to make up. No matter how much he can defend, that will not make up for the, the ability to shoot on the other side. That's damning. I'm sorry, folks. I know that you love Ben Simmons. I know that you hate me because I'm pointing out all of the flaws that Ben Simmons has. Someone said to me in my DMs the other day, Ben Simmons doesn't need to learn how to shoot because then he would become a perfect player. And we don't need, we don't, he don't need him to become a perfect player. All I want is him to attempt to shoot. Simmons is a problem because he will not shoot. He is one of the least efficient Sixers as the primary ball handler for pick and roll. He can't lock down guards on the other end of the floor. I mean, what are we doing? What are we doing? <laughs> like, like, I don't, it, it almost doesn't matter what I say. I have all these facts. I have all these stats that show you your man's is a problem. Your man's is not going to help you succeed in a bunch of different ways because of how the playoffs just are as a fact. And you won't listen. You won't hear me out. All you want to do is fight. All you want to do is tell me I don't listen to basketball or watch basketball and how I should never speak about sports ever again. Can you just imagine for your sec- in, in your mind for a second what your team would look like with a legit point guard? One that could actually shoot, run the pick and roll, give Embiid some fucking space so that he can work an offense like a James Harden who Philly wanted to trade Ben Simmons for? Oof. You need a point guard, Philly fans, who can put up 30 consistently. You need one that when it's five seconds left in the game that you can scheme for to hit a last-second shot. There is no scenario, no scenario, where Doc Rivers <laughs> is like 3.2 seconds left on the clock and we're going to Ben Simmons. Yeah, let's dial up the Simmons problem. There is yeah. no – I don't even think that exists in the playbook. So until Ben Simmons will shoot the ball, he's like that L.L. Bean coat, but one that I paid $2,500 for. Just an overpaid unicorn that becomes a liability in the fucking playoffs. We had a little drama brewing in Brooklyn. Eesh! So, we remember that whole thing with COVID and KD, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, quite well. Yeah, he's uh, missed a bunch of games because... Um, COVID protocol. He's never had COVID, COVID this season. Um, 
could possibly be COVID immune, has had 90 negative COVID tests, and yet has somehow missed five games due to COVID? KD remembers too. <laughs> so the latest news is that KD is now out at least two games uh, with a hammy strain against the Suns and the Lakers in ESPN marquee matchups on national television. <laughs> Such a shame. Such a shame. Why, Marty? <laughs> why? Because I'm fucking petty. That's why. I'm getting back at you. That's why. And I, I love it. I love it so much. I love KD getting back at Adam Silver, how much ever he can, taking whatever control that he can do to just stick it to him. Payback's a bitch. That's what KD's saying. After the league held him out for two games this last time and three games this time, it appears he's getting revenge. Fuck the game everyone has had on their calendar for the entire year. Nets versus Lakers. Nope. <laughs> Not going to watch that one now. Just Kyrie and Harden. I don't know. Maybe if I wasn't lying on the couch for the last 10 days, maybe my hammy would be a lot more warm. Mm. My hammy's feeling kind of tight now. <laughs> Just played the Warriors one game back after missing two and a half, and you know what? It's just tight all of a sudden again. Too bad. Damn shame. Missing against the Suns, missing against the Lakers. I don't know when I'll be back. <clears throat> Maybe that game against the Wizards on a Thursday night. I don't know. And you're probably thinking, Trista, you're insane. This is not how things go. KD is a baller. He loves the ball. He would never do such a thing. He is one of the most hungry players in the league. He would just he would just never, ever, ever do that. Guess what? KD has a podcast, and on the latest episode, he pretty much came out and admitted exactly what I'm saying. He said, hope I missed the Laker game just because of that. <laughs> I, I might extend my quarantine just to miss that game. You know, the one that's supposed to drive all of the ratings and money and advertising for the league. I might just miss that game just so that I can laugh at y'all in the group chat. How is that for revenge? Oh my God. Yep. What this all tells me is, <laughs> There's two things that KD loves, and we know which one he loves more. He's a competitor, and he is more petty than he loves basketball. That's what we know. His pettiness knows no bounds. KD's pettiness knows no bounds. I think we only have time for, like, maybe two. Okay. All right. Leading off, uh, why do you hate the Bucks, Trista? <laughs> do you not like small market teams winning? Why do I hate the Bucks? Do I not like small teams, small market teams winning? Here's a little fun fact. Folks should know I grew up in Portland, right? And I grew up as a Portland Trailblazers fan. And around 14, I realized that there is no scenario where Portland Trail, the Portland Trailblazers will ever win a championship when I'm alive. It just will not happen with sal the salary cap and Portland not being a great destination and it being a small city is just not going to happen. We're never going to attract free agents. And so that's going to be the case for pretty much every small market team. And I learned that 20 years ago. And so I know what the fate is for a team like Milwaukee. I know what the fate is for a team like New Orleans because I have lived it my entire life. Secondly, when I'm in the media, which is where I came from, 
big J journalism. <laughs> all the media cares about, let me just, a little fun fact, all they care about are ratings. We don't care about how good the basketball is, whether the actual matchups themselves are going to be enticing, because fans don't give a fuck. Fans care about markets. Fans care about teams. That is what we are measured on, is ratings. So if the ratings of the television is good, then the clicks on our content are better. So a Milwaukee Finals, don't want that. (laughs) Don't want that because the ratings are not going to be good. And then our clicks are bad, and then my manager's mad, and they say, Trista, you're performing 30% worse than last year. And I say, well, it's the Milwaukee Bucks. No one gives a fuck. That's that's the big-time case. So... Yeah, I don't root for small market teams to do well. I'm sorry. That's not what anyone wants. The only team that I root for that's a small market team is Portland, and that's only because I'm a fan. If if I didn't grow up in Portland, I would be feeling the exact same thing that I'm feeling about the Bucks, which is like, fuck them. Win 60 games, get bounced the first round, because that's what we all want. I know that is a very tough pill to swallow, I don't even know. I think Phoenix is probably an exception. I think that they're a big market, sort of big market team. Top 10. And they've been relevant. I think also another thing is if you've been relevant in like a quote-unquote dynasty in the past, we like to have that nostalgia come back around. Yeah, until like 10 years ago when we started this like deep dive that we're on, uh, we were I think like the fourth most winningest franchise in the league. Yeah. Like something like that. We've been consistently good for a long time. For sure. So I like the Bucks. As a, if you if you said that the Bucks weren't the Bucks and they were another team, I would love them. They have a bunch of shooters. They've got Giannis. They they did everything that they could to keep Giannis. They have a new arena. They swung for the future. Giannis will probably ask for a trade later, but like you did everything that you could, Milwaukee. There's a reason though that when they won nine, when they won sixty games, that no one in the NBA wanted them to win. And how pissed I was when ESPN said that they had an 83% chance of winning it all. I was like, yeah, fucking right. No way. (laughs) Absolutely. The NBA 100% when they were in the Eastern Conference Finals against Toronto, they were 100% rooting for Toronto. Oh, sure. Yeah. Big time. And Toronto is in another country. So that tells you everything that you need to know. (laughs) That tells you everything that you need to know about small market teams. (laughs) There are like six teams that the NBA wants to see. It's like the Celtics, the Lakers, maybe the Clippers, the Heat, the Knicks. That'll never happen. Maybe the Nets now because of big big stars. Bulls. Bulls, maybe, just to kind of reinvigorate. But I think they've kind of been a forgotten franchise now. The biggest, do you want to know what the biggest lie is in history? What's that? Everyone loves a Cinderella story. The truth is, no one loves a Cinderella story. No one. We say we do, and then we're like, yeah, I've had enough of St. Mary's. I don't want to see them in my final four. <laughs> that's, that's just, I want to see Blue Bloods. That's period. We want to see LeBron. We want to see KD. We want to see Kyrie. And that's about it. That's it. We say, like, oh, we fucking hate dynasties. No, we don't. No, we don't. That is fucking a lie. Everyone wants glitz and glam. So I'm sorry, fan. Like, the only person, the only people that care about the Bucks and the Bucks winning and are invested in the Bucks winning are people that are either from Wisconsin, have family from Wisconsin, or they're from Greece. That's it. I'm sorry. That's the legitimate cold hard truth. Last up we have uh, is Fred Van Vliet, an all-star. 
What a tough question. That's such a tough question. Um, is Fred Van Fleet an all-star? I don't think they're going to do it. I just, it's really, it's sad. It is. You talk about the NBA and how they're basically the Gestapo. And right. they decide based on storylines and how storylines lead everything. Mm-hmm. Fred Van Fleet is a Cinderella story. <laughs> and <laughs> and I love Fred Van Fleet, but he's exactly what the NBA does not want. Uh, people, uh, A name that people, casual fans, don't know. Yes, the real NBA fan loves some fucking Fred Van Fleet. He's, he's just pulling that team out of the depths of hell. Yeah. And doing a little bit of everything. But my friend that watches like four NBA games a year and maybe tunes into the All-Star game is like, who's that? Who's that little dude with the side spin on his ball? Yeah. Oh, he's got a cool name. Yeah, he's, it's Fred Van Fleet. So I don't think he's going to – I think he is an All-Star but won't be an All-Star. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. He's, it was Devin Booker for years. He's de- That's Devin Booker for years, exactly. Like when you're at a point that players who are – putting up ungodly numbers like Bradley Beal and still lose, are still becoming all-stars, that's how you know what the league cares about. Well, isn't Beal leading in voting? Yes. Yeah. It's like the Wizards— They're coming out for him. The Wizards, current, <laughs> the Wizards currently are the worst team in the East. Yeah. And Bradley Beal is going to be an all-star. So that's where we are. Um, Fred Van Fleet, let's talk about the things that he's done well. He is—I think he's the top— assisting shooting guard in the league or in the conference in the eastern conference like six and a half assists a game okay he's i think rebounding like crazy this year scoring more than he ever has and he's probably the main reason that toronto's still relevant because kyle lowry has been kind of on and off the court with injuries the chemistry issue has been weird pascal siakam has been up and down and obviously they lost a bunch of pieces so i think he deserves an all-star spot but there's going to be buzzier names that end up getting voted in over him i think he's 10th in in voting right now in guards which is fucking it's suck yeah. it's suck buzzier are you implying uh lomelo ball might be in play no but like i definitely <laughs> think that wouldn't be something outside i mean if you no. want to talk about big names and names that drive storylines like lomelo ball drive storylines oh yeah and and Lonzo's family, the Ball's family, is a huge storyline. So yeah, I would say if the Hornets were like the fifth seed in the East, Lamelo Ball could for sure be an All Star because people would be like, oh, well, the reason is because Lamelo. It's like you forgot about Gordon Hayward, but whatever. Right. That's that's the that's it. So most people want Fred Van Fleet that watch basketball, but these fucking idiots that don't watch basketball, uh, they they're not voting for him. So. All right, that's all the time that we have for the This League podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, please find us on TikTok, uh, This League, all caps. TikTok is popping off right now. Oh, it is. The conversations are, we'll call it lit. Find us on Twitter <laughs> as well, uh, Instagram as well. We have some This League hoodies on sale in the Barstool store. Please like, rate, review, subscribe, unsubscribe, and resubscribe. How about this? If you unsubscribe and resubscribe and send me a screenshot of that, I will have a full message session with you. I will go back and forth with you in the DMs <laughs> personally for minutes on end. Uh, and I don't know what else I'll do, but please send me your screenshots of your subscribe and unsubscribe. 
and um, we'll get together. So that's all the time that we have for the This League podcast. We'll see you Friday morning, bright and early. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.